Welcome to Tailboard Talk, a fourth shift fitcast. The mission of Tailboard Talk and the fourth shift fitness is to educate and train fire service personnel to increase durability and decrease the potential for injuries and their associated costs. My name is Chris Morella, owner and founder of Fourth Shift Fitness. I'll use my experience as a personal trainer, strength coach, and 15-year veteran of the fire service to deliver tips, tricks, lessons, and information specifically geared towards the health and wellness of firefighters and paramedics. Each episode, you'll leave with immediate deliverables that will improve performance and resilience and keep you in the fight through your career and into retirement. Let's get into it. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of Tailboard Talk. And today, a solo episode. We're trying something a little bit different. Let me adjust this microphone real quick. Uh, using a different microphone, too, just because it's a solo thing, so I get to use the USB microphone. But uh, obviously, it sounds a little bit different. I'm actually in the basement, so it's a little more echoey, but uh, let's get into it. So one of the uh, topics that was asked to go over was a pocket dump for fire gear. I thought that was a good one because we've done a lot of stuff that crosses kind of the lifestyle genre on tailboard talk, but we don't do much strictly fire stuff. And so this will be that if you're in the fire service, it might be interesting. I have a couple things here that I think um, have been especially useful that I'll, I'll kind of key in on and maybe you haven't used them or thought of that about these things before. If you're not in the fire service, it might be interesting anyways, because, um, you might not know how much stuff we carry. We have these pockets all over us in our fire gear. And it's kind of up to each individual person what they want to carry. And there's a lot of latitude in that. Some stuff is suggested suggested to be standardized um, so you know where someone else's stuff is in case you need it. But by and large, it's pretty much if or what you want to carry wherever you can fit it. So I'm just going to start from the top down. It seems like a logical place to do. And the helmet area of my... Uh, ensemble is pretty sparse. I don't carry a lot of stuff. That's one thing that you're going to recognize or realize kind of as I go through this thing is I don't carry a lot of extra stuff in general. Um, I like as little as I can, uh, as little as I need to be able to move the most and also not get tired as quickly. And truthfully speaking, of all the stuff I carry, I, I might have used it once or twice in the past 14 years full time and then three or four years, I'm sorry, up to five years part time before that. Um, so it sticks around, but if I don't use it after a year or two, I tend to get rid of it. So I'm really pared down at this point to the stuff I carry. So on my helmet is just a flashlight. It's a, a recoil led. I think it's a streamlight, maybe a Pelican. I don't know, but it works well. It's an led beam that uh, is refracted back, creates a straight solid beam. And it's also got a glow in the dark shroud on it. So that works well. And besides that, a band holds it on and that's it. I don't have a bunch of wedges in my helmet. Uh, I don't carry any of the old, like, um, uh, square nails in there or anything like that. It's pretty lightweight and ready to go. My coat does have some stuff in it. Not as much as you think though. There's two pockets on your coat, right? There's basically the front pockets of it. And my right one, my right front pocket has my extrication gloves. I put them in there because I figure if we're going to be doing any kind of extrication work, I'll probably have my coat on. And at that point, they'll be right there. I'm not going to be doing much extrication stuff without my coat on. So that seems like a logical place to keep those. Left pocket's empty. There's nothing in it. I might pair, carry a pair of winter gloves in there or a pair of like utility gloves from time to time. But by and large, that's empty. And the reason for that is the strap from the SCBA goes kind of right over that. So if I have a bunch of stuff in the way, 
of that strap. It makes it difficult to tighten down. Or if it, the strap gets underneath that pocket, uh, your jacket kind of rides up a little bit. So keeping those pockets empty or nearly empty is, is what I found to be the best. Now, one of the things I have on the inside pocket is kind of one of my secret sauce items. Maybe you've heard of this, maybe you haven't. I keep a Ziploc bag in there. And in that Ziploc bag, now this is like the, the breast pocket inside the coat. Ziploc bag, and in there I have a pad of paper, uh, just a real small one. So it's like the size of a deck of cards, the, the size of it. It's obviously not that thick, but pad of paper, um, a pen, a pencil. I have a couple extra earplugs. I have a couple stickers and tattoos for kids. And that's kind of my um, just utility pocket. So that comes out uh, at car crashes. That comes out at fire alarms. And it's protected for when you get sweating your gear, doesn't steam the notepad or ruin the pen or anything like that. And that's been one of the more useful things because uh, you can keep just your paramedic pad or your notepad in your pocket, but that gets sweaty. And there's nothing worse than being on a, the scene of like a car accident and you need a pen and you need a pad of paper. So you have to unbuckle your bunker pants and go dig in your pockets and just not uh, not the best. So I figured keeping it on the inside of my jacket, it's been really useful. That's one of those secret sauce things that uh, I do. I hope you find a little value in that one. Um, in my radio pocket, so up on my left chest, I have two things. I have my pair of uh, cable cutters, and there's like the crescent-shaped lopper kind of things. So I keep those up there, and it's also where I keep my second flashlight. So I have two flashlights, the helmet one and then my pocket one. I don't carry a lantern, like a handheld lantern or anything like that. Um, just something I tried for a little bit and never really caught on to. But this little pocket flashlight is pretty cool. It's a streamlight one. I just got it uh, to replace another one. And it's called a dually. And this thing looks like a regular flashlight. I think it takes three AA batteries. Looks like a regular flashlight. Um, but then on the side of it, there's a work light. So you push another button and then the work light pops up. It has a pocket clip. So you can clip it onto your radio pocket or if you're wearing like a shirt pocket or you can clip it on like the neck of your t-shirt. Um, and when it's clipped on the neck of your t-shirt or your radio pocket, that work light shines forward. So that's a nice little secondary light to have. It was like 40 bucks on Amazon. Kind of a cool thing I picked up, but that's my second light. So that's a real bright flashlight and then a kind of a nice easy work light comes in real handy also. And that's it for the coat. Like I said, pretty light and pretty fast on this stuff. The pants have some stuff in it, but even that isn't gonna be overwhelming. So let's get into that. Two pockets on your pants, right? Left and right hip pocket. Uh, the right one is just my fire gloves. That's all that's in there. That's, there's a reason for that too. I know a lot of guys carry their gloves in a strap or like some kind of retainer that's clipped to their jacket. And that's great. Uh, I used to do that, but then I went on far too many calls where it was raining or snowing and I don't get off the rig with my gloves on. That's not a, that's not something I typically do. So while you're going through the snow or while you're in the rain or whatever, your gloves are getting snow and rain on them. And then if you go to put them on, 5, 10, 15 minutes in the call, your hands are wet, your gloves are wet, and now it's just kind of a mess. Uh, so I started keeping them in my right hip pocket, and that's all that's in that pocket. So first of all, I know if I have them, I can just pat my pocket. I know I have my gloves on me. And then second of all, once that pocket's empty, it's either an available pocket for something, or uh, I am looking at actually putting something in the future, but I haven't narrowed it down yet. I have an idea. We'll kind of talk about that at the end. Uh, you'll kind of notice that I don't have one very specific thing in my uh, gear that I carry, and we'll kind of talk about that. Uh, but keeping my gloves in my hip pocket has been great. Uh, and then my other hip pocket, my left one, that's where all the tools are. So I have a little tool organizer in there, and I just have a few things, really. I have uh, needle nose vice grips, so that's a different one. Usually 
you can say like uh, people just carry regular ones and you can think about that for clipping uh, rails on garage doors or, or crimping other things and grabbing on tight. I grabbed a pair of needle nose ones because they're just more useful, I found. Uh, the regular ones kind of grab on with a very short jaw and it's also kind of crescent shaped. So if you're looking to pinch something or crimp something down, really all you have is that little tip at the end. The needle nose ones are a little bit smaller, but they probably have like a three inch, two and a half to three inch, um, they look like a, a pair of scissors, a serrated, a big giant serrated pair of scissors that can clamp shut. And I've used those for clamping garage doors. I've used them for grabbing on and peeling stuff back. I've used it for uh, deforming and getting a purchase point because that little needle tip can get in further. Then you clamp on, then you can use your leverage to pry stuff open. So that's a little bit different, but the needle nose uh, uh, vice grips have worked out really well. I also have a big folding knife in there. I keep a pair of EMS scissors, those big plastic handled trauma shears in there. Those are great for general purpose. Um, I have a pair of very small cutters, not the ones that I really trust for doing much, but just a pair of utility cutters. Then I used to carry a multi-tool in there, but I don't anymore. I actually carry it in my little spare gear bag that goes in the side compartment. Um, but I kind of go back and forth on that one, a little small Leatherman type of tool makes an appearance once in a while, but it's not a consistent thing in there. And that's pretty much it. I don't carry a lot. Uh, what I try to do is just stay mobile and stay light because truthfully you really don't need that much stuff almost everything that you need except for a personal preference of a tool like those needle nose vice grips or that flashlight i have um all, everything's on your apparatus if you're on a truck you got tons of stuff if you're on an engine you have everything you need and so really besides a personal tool which i'll get to in a second uh, you really don't need much unless you've been on a call where you need something specifically and if it's light enough you'll probably carry it with you now Extra stuff. This is where two more of the secret sauce items come in, and I'll get to those in a second. I do carry a tick uh, as an officer, and I do carry my mask not connected to my regulator. So my mask bag and my tick are connected to the left tightening buckle of my SCBA, and that's on purpose too. So I know a lot of guys put them, there's a small little spring clamp or spring clip right above that tightening buckle. Um, some guys put it there. Some guys connect their regulator to their face piece, and it hangs there. Um, some guys put the tick on their belt and they like it just because it's at their hip and they know where it is. I put it on my tightening shoulder strap on the left side of my SCBA for a couple reasons. First of all, if it wasn't drilled into you in the academy that you put on your, your SCBA left side first to protect your regulator, then nothing was. So it's there because I know I'm going to put my left arm in first and swing it around like a jacket. The right side can go flying around. There's nothing on it. I'm going to protect my mask and my tick and my regulator on the left side on that shoulder strap. The other reason is if I need that stuff, I know where that buckle is because that's the buckle you go to when you're shifting and dumping or when you're just adjusting your pack, taking your pack off. That's the most commonly used spot on that pack besides the waist strap. And that one's a little bit farther back, so it's not quite as accessible. So I know where that one is. The other reason is it also puts weight on that buckle to hold it down. And we all know that as soon as you lift up the tip of that buckle, that's what loosens the strap. So these things hanging on there, if I pull the strap tight, it's got a better chance of staying cinched down or staying tight as I want it, uh, as tight as I want it as we go through kind of the day. Now, I wear my pack correctly most of the time, which means tight waist straps above kind of your tailbone area so it's sitting on your hips and then the shoulder straps can be loose. And I also wear a chest strap on that, on the SCBA, just to make sure the shoulder straps don't fall off, but we all know that shoulder straps loosen up over time. So that's what I keep um, my tick and my mask bag on the left side there. 
my radio strap I have underneath, that's regular stuff. That's EMS stuff, right? Tiny flashlight pen, and I keep some hearing protection, some earplugs, and a little zipper pouch in my radio strap. I have the SG, SGT strap. I know a lot of people have the, now there's some other big popular canvas one, but this one's got a little tiny pocket at the base of it, so I, I picked that one. Now, two secret items that I carry. Um, one is my personal, my officer's tool, which has been known by many names uh, by this point, but I've been calling it a toothpick because that's the most appropriate name it's been given. And it's a it's a pry bar. It's kind of a crowbar. It was 10 bucks at Home Depot. It's about 16 inches long, and it's a little bit different than a typical crowbar. So a normal crowbar comes up and does the big shepherd's hook thing. This is a right angle. So it's a right angle, and it still has the crowbar fork tip on the short, the curved side or the angled side so it's got a like a six inch throw to that chisel or that fork what am i saying that nail puller tip that's the pry end right the other in the long end this is why i got it isn't shaped like a crowbar where it's lipped up it's flat and i think it's actually called a pry chisel because it's shaped like a like a three inch long chisel on the other side still a fork uh, so you can still treat it like uh, a pry end of like a halligan but it's a flat and straight thin chisel and uh, I picked that because a few things first of all it's underwhelming to look at but that's the entire point of it it's a throwaway tool so I'm going to grab that on my 360 or my investigation and that's something that I picked specifically because it can get me into a little bit of trouble but not a lot if I need more than what that tool can do or I can make that tool do then I need either more people or a different tool set altogether so it's very good for softening a building um, I feel comfortable forcing a majority of residential doors with it, um, breaking windows, obviously. But it's also the point where if I have too much going on, right? So if I'm doing my 360 and I have the tool in one hand and I have the tick in the other hand and I need to talk on the radio and I need to force the door, I have no problem ditching this tool, just tossing it, and I'll see it later or I'll just buy another 10 10 or $11 pry bar when I'm done uh, on my next day off. If I'm carrying a Halligan or a full set of irons or one of the larger, like five, six, seven, eight pound officer's tools, that's a lot. That's a lot to manage while you're listening to the radio and then you have to armpit something to talk on the radio. It's just a lot. So I picked a tool that can get me into a little bit of trouble, but not a lot that I'm not afraid to throw away uh, or just ditch if I need to kind of pivot. Um, but it's a, a small tool and I'll take a picture that I'll post it, but I really like it. I know some guys carry much more involved in expensive tools. Um, one of the guys I work with carries a, uh, a uh, mason's hammer. Similar reason. It's got a long claw on it, long flat claw, and it's got some weight to it. Um, so you really got to find what works for you, but that's the one that I like the best. My other secret sauce item, and this one isn't a secret necessarily at all. It's really gained popularity in the past couple of years, but I carry at least one, probably two of those two-inch spring clamps. Those have been phenomenal, mostly on EMS calls because that's a majority of what we go on, right? But if you want to control a door uh, without introducing a large flow path in, or if you want to keep a door open, keep a door shut, you can use it like a conventional wedge, just like a triangle, under the door or against it. You can use it to clip on the the uh, handle side or the latch side to keep it just gapped that little quarter of an inch, whatever it is. You can use it on the hinge side to keep it gapped more or keep it open for hose line advancement or a cot. Uh, But that little 99 cent clamp is, has been probably one of the most used tools I've ever had. So if you're not familiar with that, check out how you can use those. If you just go on YouTube and 
and Google it. There's a couple one and two minute long videos. Um, but that is something I would definitely suggest getting a couple of. I know a lot of people clip them just to the the nameplate on the back of their coat. Um, I keep mine clipped to my radio strap, the one that I keep all the time. And then I have another one uh, in my pocket. I guess I forgot to say that. It's, an, it's a newer edition, putting one in the pocket. Um, but yeah, that two-inch spring clamp has been uh, pretty awesome to keep around. Now, you might have noticed that one of the most common things in the fire service to carry, I don't carry, and that's webbing. And most people suggest a 15 to 20-foot loop of webbing tied with a knot um, so you can make a Swiss seat or you know, make it into a rescue sling somehow or a rescue harness or something like that. And I understand the thought behind it. I understand the theory behind it. But the practical application of it, I've never quite grasp onto that strongly, especially with the emergence and now the regulation of the DRD in pretty much everybody's gear, you have a preloaded piece of webbing on someone. You might say, what about civilians? Well, different argument altogether, right? Trying to figure out a 20-foot loop of webbing uh, on a civilian in the middle of the house, majority of the houses I've been in is not a realistic thing. Um, It's not going to be a gentle Removal, no matter what you do, but tying a cat's paw around somebody's chest and dragging them or trying to make a Swiss seat on someone is also not the most gentle thing you can do. So I definitely appreciate guys that, that use it because uh, or carry it because we've used it for other things in the past, other like utility uses. Um, but to say that you're going to effectively rescue yourself or someone else in it, that takes a ton of training. And it's something that I've seen messed up more than not. Now, one thing I am looking at and uh, has been kind of uh, brought to the forefront recently in our department. I can't remember exactly how long it is, but I think it's five or six feet, maybe even less, maybe four feet, but it's the width of a toe strap. So those big toe straps are like two to three inches wide, and it's got a a carabiner on each side, and that looks extremely useful. It's got a much wider surface area, so you can loop it underneath somebody's armpits. It's much um, shorter, so it's much more manageable, especially in low vis or, or no visibility. And uh, the way we've used it also in writ scenarios is instead of converting the waist strap through the crotch to make that harness, if the person's too big or it's just not feasible or whatever the case is, you can run this thing from the belt buckle uh, through their legs to their pack, and that essentially converts their pack without having to uh, unbuckle, keep track, hike the leg, go underneath, and then make a blind uh, buckle underneath their butt. So that's something that I'm actually looking at and I like a lot. And that'll probably go underneath my glove or yeah, underneath my gloves in my right hip pocket. Because if I need that thing, I don't want anything in the way of it. And I've already taken my gloves out. I'm using them, right? We're in a scenario here. Uh, I need to be able to get to that piece of uh, strap quickly. And I think under my gloves in my right hip pocket, the otherwise empty pocket is going to be a great place for it. So man, I stretched that one out 18 minutes, 19 minutes so far. I didn't think I'd have that much to talk about on, on a gear dump. But um, there you go. I know a lot of guys carry more. A lot of guys carry less. Uh, You just got to find out what works for you. This is the stuff that I've figured out that works best for me. I'm also pretty sure it's going to change. I'm always changing out what's in my pockets. Um, Same general ideas, but different tools or trying new stuff. Oh, one thing I I do need to add back in that I lost a couple years ago is a shove knife. Um, And there are some really cool ones. Now there's that C-Rat tool, the Seattle Rapid Access tool. There's just a traditional shove knife. There's all kinds of um, through the lock, around the lock, and uh, I can't remember what they call it, but 
um, non-destructive forcible entry tools now that I do want to start checking out. So if you have any uh, experience with that CRAT tool, let me know. That'd be uh, pretty cool to check out. I might end up ordering one of those. All right, guys, that's enough talking about gear. I hope it was entertaining. If you're not in the fire service, I hope you were able to follow along or at least understand what I was talking about. It shouldn't be too tough. If you are in the fire service, I hope you liked it. I hope you got a little bit of insight. Um, my secret sauce items, you know, I got that little Ziploc, the toothpick that I carry, and also the two-inch spring clamp for my big ones. Everything else is pretty standard issue, but I hope you, uh, hope you like this one. All right, we'll be back next week with more stuff. Uh, hit the four shift website. If you want a hat, t-shirt or sticker, anything like that, let me know if I can come out to your department and present starting those back up in the next month or so. If you're interested in personal training or digital private training, let me know. We'll hook you up through the true coach app and get you going. Mm, talk to you guys soon.